0: This episode is brought to you by Thomas's.
1: Thomas's presents Pondering the
0: Bagel with Tom.
1: Oh, the paradox of the bagel. Tis crunchy yet soft. Tis filling yet has a hole. Tis a vehicle for spreads, but only travels from toaster to plate. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast.
2: Yo, yo, yo. Welcome, Thought Warriors. We are back. Took a little break. We are back at it. Welcome to Higher Learning. I am Van Lathan.
1: I'm Rachel Lindsay. Happy to be back.
2: Well, I know you are.
1: Oh, right. oh, oh. and what is the face and the hesitation for? Go ahead, man. Speak your mind. Tell everybody what's wrong. Or tell me, because it seems like it's an issue with me.
2: And yeah, normally, this would be the part of the podcast since, you know, it's Monday and we're recording. You know, podcast comes out on Tuesday. Normally, this is the part of the podcast where I would ask my so-called friend and co host <laughs> Rachel Lindsay, what she did with her weekend. But two things. Number one, I don't feel like I want to ask you what you did with your weekend because I don't care this weekend because I know that you were in Los Angeles for the weekend and didn't even hit a nigga up. That's right, white listeners. You get an (laughs) N-word in the first Five minutes of the podcast because Rachel is wilding.
1: Okay. First of all, on the last podcast, I said I was getting on a plane. I think I said I was coming to L.A. I'm not quite sure. Don't hold me to that. Nope. But nor did my friend inquire as to where I was going. Number two. Number two. Oh, my God. I'm looking at Instagram here, and I posted a picture of me traveling. Mm-hmm. Talked about being a little bit apprehensive about getting on a plane. And my friend wrote on my picture, this is why your parents were afraid of you. Mm-hmm. Reckless behavior. Yeah. That, that friend is Van, in some circles, Jones Lathan. Wow. And he... Double heart. <laughs> he, Does that sound like somebody I want to call and say, hey, by the way... I'm coming to LA. Mm. Want to get together? Sounds like I'm. I'm a person who's committing reckless behavior, and you seem like you don't want to be around me. Doesn't mm. sound like you're welcoming me to your city. Uh, listen, so at that point, I knew how I was going to move around.
2: I, I got. That tell was you without
1: something.
2: you. I gotta tell you something, Rachel. I gotta be honest with you. Go that ahead. was that was masterful what you just did there. <laughs> like I've known guys <laughs> who've made excuses for their entire lives. I have a friend. <laughs> who had his girl walk into the house while he had another girl in the back room. No, it it happened. These people know who they are. I'm not going to get into it. And he told me that I'm going to have a hard time explaining my way out of this. When I said, it's impossible. You're done. The goose is cooked. They went on to get married. All right. No. Yes. (laughs) That wasn't, I don't know what he said to her.
1: He knew who he, what he was dealing with.
2: That Hip-hop. wasn't nearly as good as how you just flipped that around. Number one, you didn't say you were coming to LA, okay?
1: No, <laughs> that's,
2: that, that's the first thing. You never said that. You didn't say you were coming to LA. You mansplained better than any man. You say, well, look, did you ask me where I was coming? No, what? It's like I see all the texts. Did did you ask me if you could go through my phone? No. The reality is, you came like you came to LA. You was out here chilling, doing whatever. Probably had a big boat with the whole cast of The Bachelor out on the marina, chilling, doing whatever. I didn't even get it. Me? It wasn't even like, hey, Van, you want to hit some golf balls? Hey, Van, let's take a social distance, walk around. We can do all <laughs> of, like, 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 nothing. And then, and then on a certain group text, when we actually kind of brought up the fact that you were in LA and hadn't said anything to anyone, you basically shot back with a, y'all can get off my dick, really? That's basically your attitude. You were basically like, yeah, so what? Get mad about it. I love it. And now I know. Well, in my
1: defense, I I had been drinking. So I might have been a little bit more hostile than I would normally be in my defense. I'm just going to be honest with the thought warriors here for a second. But you're right. I won't let it happen again. But I was just there for a quick weekend. I was in. I was out. Brian was with me. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you know, now I'm back here in Miami.
2: It was Brian. Brian didn't want to. No, be. no,
1: no! I'm not. I'm not going to put that on Brian. I'm not because mm-hmm. you because you haven't met Brian yet, and I don't want yeah. you to have a bad first impression. So I'm not going to cool. put that on Brian. But what well, I will say, the most shocking thing when I was in LA, and we we're talking about this before, is LA is a ghost town. I mm. saw nobody. I was mainly in like the WeHo Beverly Hills area. Mm-hmm. Nobody was on the streets. Florida crowded. No matter where you are, I'm not even in South Beach, my neighborhood popping, and I can mm. tell why we're the epicenter versus l a
2: yeah well I Crazy. don't I don't really know why it's a ghost town in Florida because according no, to president oh where it's a ghost excuse me I don't know why it's a ghost town here in l a should say because uh according to President Trump, we ain't got nothing to worry about the mm. the president says that the coronavirus is is basically harmless now. I don't know if you guys were aware, but this past weekend, President Trump was President Trumping in a couple of different places. He uh, addressed <laughs> the nation. Um, I think it was two different times he addressed the nation. Am I right about that? Gave yeah, two yeah, creatures. yeah. In uh, one of these, he said that uh, the coronavirus is 99% harmless. Now, listen, I'm going to be honest with y'all. 45 was in his bag this past weekend. We haven't even begun to scratch the surface of the (laughs) Trumpishness that went down over the last couple of days. But we're going to start here. 99% harmless. That gives the sort of, I guess, indication to a lot of Americans that coronavirus, there's nothing to worry about. Rachel, we have nothing to worry about with the coronavirus. I don't know why we... I don't know what, what, what we're doing, all of this stuff. for. I don't know why I'm in the House. Why are we doing this on Zoom if it's ninety nine percent harmless as the president seems to think that it is?
1: I don't even know where to start with this. It was I mean, pick your poison, because like you said, there were so many things that Trump was just I don't know if he was just empowered by the Independence Day, Fourth of July holiday, people waving their flags, being patriotic you know, screaming for the red, white, and the blue. I don't know what got into him. I mean, well, honestly, it's really been the same shit, different week when it comes to Trump Mm -hmm. as of late. 99% harmless. How, all I thought when I heard that is how insensitive is that to the people who have lost loved ones at the hands of this virus? And you're acting as if it means nothing. I mean, just now in our podcast, it's, Atlanta, Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms just tested positive for coronavirus. Wow. Now, she's she's not showing any symptoms, but she tests positive. This disease, this virus is out here alive and well. I mean, we're contemplating at the point if we're going to shut down the country again right. for a second time. Probably won't, but they're shutting parts of it down. Florida just announced July 8th it's shutting down restaurants, gyms, party venues. Party venues, Van. I didn't even venues. know that those were open yeah. in Florida. <laughs> Apparently. Uh-huh. But when when the president says things like this, it empowers a certain sector of the nation. For example, like in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, where they're having COVID nineteen parties and the first person to contract the virus gets a payout. It's yeah. it's it's embodying this stupidity, this this recklessness, this arrogance of this disease that has killed a hundred and thirty thousand people in this mm. country. But it's, yeah. but it's but it's but it's
2: harmless fan. Hmm. So, yeah, look, I saw that it was going down in Atlanta, too. In Atlanta, at Compound in Atlanta, I guess they brought a pool inside Mm. the club, and it was going down. I'm not going to lie. It looked like fun. So
1: it's us, too. It's (laughs) us, too. It's us, too. It looked like like fun.
2: I'm not even going to lie. It looked like it was was going down in Compound. But I was like, the thing that kind of got to me was— I don't know if they brought a pool inside. There's a pool inside already. But if, they're, if you're going to do pool stuff, just do it outdoors because it's safer anywhere from the coronavirus. Like, so just don't bring any pools uh-uh, inside of the club. I oh, don't,
1: I don't what? Corona infested water. Just I, swimming look, all around. Well, I'm just in saying, the water.
2: whatever you're going to do, just do it outside. Anyway, this is my point. So 99 percent uh, harmless, according to the president. Let's deal with the science for uh, for a second. I'm not going to mm-hmm. become an epidemiologist or a virologist in the next five minutes. You guys don't have to worry about that. Um, it, it, there are 2.8 million Americans who have been affected with the coronavirus. Okay. Um, that means that a lot of scientists out there believe, obviously, the number is a lot higher because we're not able to track everyone that's infected. So let's say that there are 28 mm-hmm. million Americans that are affected with the coronavirus. All right. So if that were the case then there would be something to support the evidence that the fatality rate, that the mortality rate around the, of the virus is much less than the 4.5% that we're seeing. But it is mm-hmm. something around 1, 1.5% or something like that. Uh, that's a poor way to gauge the actual cost and how dangerous COVID-19 is. Is that 1% or 1.5%? I'll tell you why. The question about COVID-19 to me is not necessarily whether or not you will die. The question Mm -hmm. about COVID-19 is, will society die? Mm. And what I mean by that is the virus, in a bunch of different ways, has the ability to kill off large swaths and large portions of American life. And that means because of the nature of this contagion and because of its ability to affect systems and interpersonal relationships and things like that. And because despite the low mortality rate of this, as compared to other diseases, you never know when it's going to take a turn. Obviously we see tragically a super healthy, um, guy with no pre-existing conditions like Nick Cordero got this and fought the mm-hmm. good fight, but eventually ended up passing away because of mm-hmm. that what does COVID cost all of us? Because even if you're in the 99% of people that might get the disease and show no symptoms or survive from it or survive it, you could still end up passing it on to somebody right. else that it punches their ticket. So the president shows when he says something like that by individualizing the effect of the virus onto one person, he shows a fundamental misunderstanding of what we're actually up against. That's scary.
1: Yeah. I mean, but can't, but even, I thought you were going to go here. And I think, cause you, you, you said this in your, in your statement about not grasping what it means when you say how harmful it is. That wasn't your statement, but paraphrasing is that it's not just about it being harmless physically and dying from it it's what it does to our society in general right sure and uh, and like going beyond that of passing it to a more p- a person who is more susceptible to to getting this disease and it being harmful to them but also jobs and what's happening to our economy mm-hmm. and what's happening to the way that we re- like the human contact and how mentally it's hurting people. And yeah, it's it's affecting us in so many different ways. And I think this goes back to something that ties into the Black Lives Matter movement, which is why people didn't get it before, but in 2020, all of a sudden the light bulb went off, is that people who aren't impacted by the disease... Don't, or Just things in general. If you're not impacted, if it doesn't directly affect you, then you don't feel it and get it the same way. We know that this pandemic is hitting black and brown people in a way that it is not hitting white folks. So to hear the president of the United States stand up and address the country and say that it's 99% harmless is extremely insensitive and once again shows that he is out of touch and not trying to unify this nation because he's not realizing the effect or the trickle-down effect that this disease has for our country.
2: Yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, it, it ravages through people. And by the way, there are people that have recovered from COVID. A friend of mine has recovered from COVID. He had COVID in March of this year. We were playing golf this past Friday, and we're walking around the golf course, right? hmm And he goes, I need to stop and rest. I'm like, yo, really? This is a guy I used to ride bikes with and stuff like I need to stop. I need a second. I need to stop and rest. Wow. I'm like, I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, dude. Since then, so it's July, mm-hmm. and he had it in March, and we're walking around a nine hole at Griffith Park, and the disease has still, um or is, is still, should I say, affecting his physical performance in such a way that he's not fully back. So there's a lot that we don't know. So the messaging to Americans from the president or from any leaders right now, first of all, at this point, we really shouldn't even be heeding the, or paying attention to the messaging coming from any politicians. We really have to lean into medical experts here. We've been saying this for as long as we've had a podcast, but guys, please get this information from people who care about solving this actual problem. It's a public health crisis. It's not a political one. So actually right. go to the people that deal with public health crises and see what they're saying. Uh, having, having said all that, the president just fundamentally um, us- underestimates what COVID does in terms of overrunning the, the uh uh, our 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 health apparatus our our healthcare system uh, all of that he just doesn't get what what it is that we're really up against and if you're asking me why uh it's because he is interested in nothing more than he is in self-preservation and mm-hmm. the response to covid has been criminally criminally almost a uh, negligent by the administration and by the cronies and by everyone who's normalized this president's reaction to it. So I think he's scared that the virus is not going to kill Americans. Trump is afraid of the virus killing his political career. That's the only death he really cares about. So he's willing to sacrifice X amount of lives uh, for people to go out there and, and and get sick.
1: And the only thing I'll add to that is to say you're, you're hundred percent right. And, it's because what was the one thing his entire campaign was built around? One thing, the economy. Yeah. And when the economy, the economy failed with the pandemic, he had to switch things around. He, I guarantee you, if the economy wasn't affected, he would be catering to the science of this, to what mm-hmm. The doctors are saying they are there for a reason. Fauci has been with us since the AIDS crisis. I mean, the man knows what he's doing. He's dedicated his life to public health. Stop making this a political issue. It has nothing to do with that. You have to go like read through that, sift through all of the BS and understand that this virus is alive. It's out there. And at the end of the day, and we said this at the last podcast, just wear your mask. Just, just try masks. to help prevent. Yeah. Just try to help prevent the spread of it. It ain't going to cure you from like prevent you from necessarily getting it, but it stops you from spreading it. If you may have it. Period. It. That's now it. I was, when I was at the airport, I saw them like dressed in hospital gowns, like what surgeons go into. They had the hairnets, the mask and the robe. Yeah. I felt like I was not I thought I was properly equipped for the plane. No, not when I saw these folks out there.
2: Yeah, I saw you. I saw you. You you was fly though. I'm not even gonna just uh, listen. I I I was giving you shit in the picture because you really looked. You looked fly I want, in like a. I was a
1: little. I was a little you, fly in the picture. Man.
2: You look. You looked fly, not in a. You look fly and what's what's happening with you way? Like what's popping? Like you look fly like you could walk the
1: block. Like I was like, "Okay." Like Oh, here we go. Yeah. We got to we got to <laughs> name this a segment. We got to name this a segment because every week somehow I surprise you with my blackness. No, You're see, like, look you, no you took it there that's I didn't what even it say that. That's, I didn't said say I can that. walk the block. Who's what? block man? Who's what? block?
2: No, no, I didn't like I didn't say that. It just looked like you look fly like you had your little Jordans on. It was Jordans Right? You had some J's on? Yeah,
1: I had you the were doing J's on the ones. I had the ones on. Yes. Okay. So I w-
2: <laughs> um <laughs> look, uh,
1: <clears throat> Yeah,
2: man. I, I you know, I I got called out this this past weekend for not wearing a mask.
1: Wait, but where what were you doing?
2: I was running on the treadmill in the gym here at the apartment complex.
1: No, and I don't, you can't, you can't so wait wear a mask that. So
2: wait a second. I had just walked in. This is a funny story. I had just walked in, right? Literally just walked in and I was, watching me wipe the equipment down has become something that the entire workout room stops and does. Because my OCD, like, won't allow me to believe that the equipment is as clean as it needs to be. I'm six, <laughs> seven, eight. Nine wipes. I'm wiping around the back. There, dust bunnies flying <laughs> because I'm wiping in places that have actually never been touched by this machine ever. So, I, you know, I finish wiping it down or whatever, and I get on it and I'm putting it in my weight and I'm doing all of that stuff like that because the last podcast that I got kind of kind of expired. I want to have abs like Brian, and um, <laughs> and I take two steps and I hear, uh, uh could you please put on your mask? <gasps> and I look over and I see Karen. Now I'm thinking to myself, mm, okay, it's time to blow her the fuck up. Who you talking to? And my response was, yeah, it's right here. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'll put it on right now. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Sorry about that. Cause look, she was using her caringness. She was using her caringness for good.
1: For the right reason. Yeah.
2: So if you're out here and you're caring, it's the difference between using your caring for an anti mask platform if you use your Karen for a pro mask platform, I'm with you, Karen. K K K, she didn't k-, have to k- say it up. She nah.
1: didn't have to tell you, say it to you like that. I didn't like that tone. Oh, I don't like the you. tone. I'm just gonna, I'm yeah, just gonna they, be
2: honest. And then she then she like proceeded to have like a loud ass conversation, like talking super loud. Everybody in the gym was pissed off. They were on her side at first, and then they came over to my side. Uh <laughs> coronavirus was the only thing the president had talked about. He talked about some other things as well. He um he gave his opinions on why he believes that certain monuments will, you know, he, one time he was in front of Mount Rushmore, he said Mount Rushmore, I'm ensuring everybody that Mount Rushmore uh, will never go away. We're going to make sure these American heroes are always, always, always exalted in our, in in our culture. And he also talked a little bit about, I guess what he feels like is really going on with the black lives matter movement. Um, The president seemed to characterize Black Lives Matter as a hate group um, and as a far-left organization that seeks to destroy the fabric of the country that we live in. Uh,
1: I... Yeah. It, it,
2: uh, look, I know what's happening here. Everybody knows what's happening. It's not rocket science. President Trump is rallying his base um and to to make sure that he has a significant amount of animus built up from those people to black lives matter so that they turn out in droves and vote him back in how how dangerous do you f- how dangerous is this to you uh this this sort of hawkish sort of saber rattling that the president has been doing over the last couple of days
1: well i said last week that at this point i'm not making the excuse that he's just trying to rally his fan base and voters to go out. This is who he is. I fully wholeheartedly believe that at this point. One, Mm. two, I know, I know what you meant when you asked me dangerous, but I, I, I want to say that I think this is a dangerous move politically for him. Uh, Although I do believe I, although, although I do believe that is what he truly believes in his, in his heart, assuming he has one. Mm. I think that it's the country is in a way that it wasn't in 2016 and the way people are tapping into the black lives matter movement or just understanding or empathizing, I should say what black people are going through in this country. That fan base is smaller and smaller. He picked up a lot of moderates and people Mm. who did not vote.
2: True. Very true. Pick
1: up those people, but He there were a lot of people who did not vote in the last election. Now you have a fire lit under this country, especially with young people. And I'll just use Kellyanne Conway's daughter as an example of somebody who grew up in a conservative household. But she she's not old enough to vote, but she is stepping out and exercising how she feels about what's happening in our country. It's a whole new movement with these younger people. I think it is very dangerous for him to be so the opposite end of the spectrum because Mm. now you're canceling out the moderates. So you don't have the far left. You don't have the left. You're you're canceling out moderates at this point. And I just think it's very risky. And if he does become elected based on the way he's acting, either people are lying about who they're voting for or they rigged the ballots. That's Mm. that's just what I have to come to, it has to come down to. But to answer your question also in the danger, in the way that you were speaking, yes, I think it is dangerous because you were igniting and you were fueling and empowering these people who feel this way, this hatred towards the movement and the people that are involved in the movement. And Mm. that is, and I think you, as we get closer to this election and he is going to be even more vocal, it's July. And this is what he's saying. I can only imagine what he'll be saying in October. I am scared for the people that he's speaking to what they're going to start acting on and doing.
2: Yeah. That's interesting. It's interesting that you feel like it's a politically risky move on the president's yeah. part. It, I haven't really considered that. I don't know if I agree or not, but it's an interesting, it's an interesting sort of uh rug to shake. Like it, um, there was, there's no way for him to have won in 2016 without winning over those moderates that you're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Those people had to switch. A lot of it, as crazy as this is, and this seems difficult to believe, but there are people that voted for Obama in 2012 and turned around and voted for Trump in 2016. Yeah, that happened. That doesn't seem possible, but it did. I guess I'm always wondering what's in the mind of those moderates. Typically, there are people that are that aren't really swayed back or forth by identity politics and about sort of the changing landscape of America. They have, they tend to be more pragmatic about what it is that they're actually voting for. Do they believe that Trump is a sound economic leader that has had his economic leadership or his vision and plan for America disrupted by a virus that his administration couldn't have planned for and didn't know was coming. Or do they believe that over the last four or five months, the president and his entire group have demonstrated enough incompetence um, that they don't trust him with the highest office in the land. That would be an interesting conversation to have with some of those people because it, To me personally, with the recovery that the economy was in already going through in 2016, I sometimes wonder how people got bamboozled by President Trump in the first place. The economy was strong, not as strong as it was a couple of months ago, but it was very strong and we were adding jobs and things had recovered, but there was still a middle class that felt like they weren't being addressed. Yeah. And so I don't think anything's changed now, but I was just wonder how those people are feeling right now.
1: Well, I've talked to some people who, one, were younger and at that point weren't as well versed politically and so voted in the way that their parents voted, Mm -hmm. who have been completely disgusted with what they've seen Trump do during his administration in these last three years, three plus years, and would never vote for him again. Mm. There are a lot of people who also vote on one issue and who excuse some of his reputation because they wanted to align themselves with the Republican Party. Those people and are they disgusted
2: ha- by th- those people are disgusting, by the way. Yeah, I got to no, be honest Those people are disgusting, uh, by the way.
1: Yeah, I, I 100% agree with you. And I think that they were able to excuse it or reason it because Trump hadn't done anything as president yet. Mm. Now they have watched what he has done over these three plus years and are like, I could never align myself with that. That's what I think. That's some of the shift, and again, I am not agreeing with any of this. It's just in conversation that I've had with people that will actually admit they voted for Trump in 2016. Mm -hmm. That is the shift that I've seen in them, Mm. which I understand. I'm not saying I agree with. I'm Mm. glad that they've shifted, but and then there's just people who didn't vote. I know so many people, Van, who did not vote. We're just like, uh, I don't like Hillary. I don't like Trump. Mm. That's a lot of it had to.
2: A lot of it had to do with people and their dislike for Hillary which uh there's another word for that it's called misogyny because Hillary <laughs> Clinton was uh, no more flawed than uh, the majority of p- presidential candidates that had come out before it's very difficult to be running for president and not have a little bit of red on your ledger i'm not going to i'm not going to become an apologist for the clintons uh at all but for what they chose over her you got it's just fucking it 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 it's blows not. my mind because
1: they didn't think he would be elected. Mm-hmm. Even I didn't think he would. Really no one get thought him. it. Yeah, yeah. So that's really what be no like. There's no way, but yeah. you underestimated fifty one percent of this country. Yeah,
2: yeah. The people that are obviously your friends that you hang out with.
1: Oh, there's a whoa, lot whoa, of Trump whoa, supporters. Whoa, whoa. I'm just saying. Oh, so that's who I was with in L.A. Uh, maybe, is that who? Is that who I was whoa, with? whoa,
0: whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> That's the answer. What? Whoa.
2: You made a secret MAGA mission.
1: Don't you dare. You
2: made a <laughs> whoa. You crack how you cracked the own case? You are you on fire today? You I cracked you your the case, own case. I told you what the case was. I
1: told you what the case was.
2: You Perry Masoned. Shout out to my grandmama <laughs> shout out to my mamo. Used to watch Perry Mason with her and Matlock. And Matlock. Matlock's Madlock. like,
1: the reason I want to become an attorney. i me tell you something real say. quick.
2: Matt, my grandmother said something about Matlock real, real like that was very disturbing. One time, Matlock is an old Andy Griffin. Ain't nobody trying to fuck Matlock. And I watch it, <laughs> and I, I'm watching, I'm watching Matlock with my Momo, and Matlock is not in the courtroom, so he's not wearing a suit. And he's like, the guy comes over, the investigator comes over, and they're going over something with Matlock, and Matlock has got like he's he's dressed down in this episode or this part mm-hmm. of the episode, and my and and my my momo goes, ooh, Andy's still tasty. I'm <gasps> like, Andy Griffith, you trying to <laughs> fuck Mayberry? <laughs> like, whoa, like don't don't go here with me. Anyway. Um, But it's good to know that you came out here to, 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 you know, to hang out with Candace and Tommy Um. Lauren and um, (laughs) Trump made another enemy this weekend. I know we're spending a lot of time on Trump, but there was a lot of Trumpiness that went on this this, this weekend.
1: And this this is what I will say, because I thought about this. I was like, man, we're going to talk about Trump again, but we have to. Our audience, I feel like these thought lawyers aren't Trump supporters, but I feel like a lot of them have Trump supporters in their family And in the friend circle, so use these as tips and nuggets to go into your friend family circle Mm. and fight the good fight.
2: Yeah, look, I got some. I got some investigation, Uh, not investigation. I got some uh, advice. So when you meet those family and friends that are Trump supporters, all Uh thought wars, just be like, "Hey, yo, fuck you!" And then (laughs) you
1: know what I'm saying.
2: Get out of my. Get out of my shit. You can't come over to watch the fight. Gotta hand them over give me my hot wings back give me my fucking bunt cake or whatever y'all make get the fuck out see um, I almost
1: said something in a religious way to you but I'm not I'm not gonna say that I'm not gonna say that not that's how not how it. you do it folks that's not how you do it but go okay, ahead keep going that's not how I do
2: it uh, no uh, Trump made an enemy of Bubba Wallace Trump tweeted that Bubba Wallace I'm gonna paraphrase the tweet because I don't like talking in Trump language okay basically the tweet, the takeaway is this, it said that Bubba Wallace owes an apology to all the drivers that stood by him because the news thing turned out to be a hoax. Okay. So let me explain to you guys real quick what a hoax is. I know that all of you guys are very educated. The Thought Warriors have a lot of respect for you, but a hoax is when someone does something with the purposeful intent of deceiving another person for their own personal gain. So a hoax is something that you would do in order to gain something from someone and you did it on purpose. Now, we have already talked about what happened in the Bubba Wallace situation. And the most important thing that you should know about that is that it wasn't even Bubba Wallace that brought the noose to the attention of NASCAR officials. It it, There were people that worked around Bubba Wallace that did this. The president then went on to say that NASCAR is experiencing (laughs) <laughs> low ratings since they've decided to move away from the Confederate flag. No one follows the news more than Big Rage. Big Rage, is it true that NASCAR is experiencing low ratings since they've decided to move away from adopting the Confederate flag and have outlawed it in the infields? Is that true?
1: I have not seen that anywhere. And I find yeah. that hard to believe, seeing how there's very little sports on. Mm-hmm. I would think that their ratings would be doing better. I will they, say, though.
2: Th- they are, in fact. Are they? They are, in fact, doing better. Like, by the way, these are not imaginary numbers. And this is not my opinion. When the television show comes on the TV, there are little ways and all kinds of and they gauge how many people are watching it. Go look at it for yourself. NASCAR ratings are up. The president is getting mad. The president is just addicted to lying.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, all I got from that tweet is that he was basically saying Bubba Wallace needs to apologize to white people. That's Ah. all I heard, because when he said those drivers who stood by him, it is known that Bubba Wallace is the only black driver. So basically, he's like, let me tell you something, black boy. You owe an apology to these white men. That's all I saw when I saw it. I saw the ratings thing, typical Trump thing to say. But he was again playing into this same audience, trying to ignite a fire with this same audience. And he is basically saying, you black man must apologize to this these white people who stood by you. That's Mm. all I saw. And can we add that this happened a week ago? Maybe, was it two weeks ago? A week ago.
2: Might have been. Things are moving quick, to be honest. And with you. now know, I'm not sure. Trump
1: wants to, this, that's all he's doing. You have to read through this. He didn't speak towards it in the moment when it was news and, and actual headlines. He waited a full week and was like, you know what? Now nobody's talking about it. I'm going to talk about it again. And I'm going to talk to a particular audience. And mm-hmm. let me address you, Bubba Wallace. Like it's, it, we've already discussed it. It's as clear as day. It's a news. The FBI thought it was one as well, and that's why they ignited this entire investigation surrounding this. If anyone right. thought it was something different, it never would have gone as far as it did. It's this. This is Trump. This yeah. is Trump. He could, he's going to talk about somebody else, probably Jesse Smollett next week, and that yeah. happened years ago.
2: And you guys got to see through that. Like the Trump uses uh, the Trump. Maybe I should start calling <laughs> the Trump. Uh, he he uses different hate mascots, right? He mm-hmm. likes to have, he's big on symbols, um, because it, it's very easy for the American public to rally around symbols. And there's always have, to, there always has to be a symbol of what wants to destroy America. That right. symbol was once Colin Kaepernick. That sense, that symbol can now be Black Lives Matter. Uh, and now Trump is going to use Bubba Wallace as a symbol. Never mind that Trump is directly sort of sicking his minions on Bubba Wallace who hasn't done anything to deserve right. this, right? Right. Has bravely driven during this time and before when he dealt with racism in NASCAR. Never mind the fact that the FBI situation was was it was indicative of how NASCAR actually was supporting someone who worked with them
1: exactly. by taking
2: seriously a threat. Never mind all of that. Trump wants to give America an enemy, somebody they can be mad at, somebody they they can say my life is where it is because this person exists. If I get rid of this person, I'll have everything I want. And he when he when he's he's like a magician, he's like a destructive, dirty magician. Whenever he's pointing at Bubba Wallace, his other hand is in your po- pocket or on your face, taking your mask off. Mm. So like so like to me the most important thing that we can do as an American society, as an American culture, is just keep our eyes on the ball. Keep our eyes on the issues that are going to either make us healthy or the issues uh, that are going to bring us back together. But I'll tell you one thing. We don't really have to worry about Trump as much because in a couple of months we're going to have a new president. Brand new president. We're going to have a brand new president. Don't fight it. Rachel, you're fighting it. Don't fight it. No,
1: I'm not. I I'm, no, I'm not fighting it. you not fighting it. I'm not either. fighting it. I just get I just get nervous because I know what happened. I remember my mindset in 2016 and I just mm-hmm. get nervous. Oh, who do you think but is you gonna be
2: president know. in a couple months?
1: No, I'd i I would assume it would be Biden. But oh no no no, just- no no
2: no 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 <laughs> no no, no. no whoa, whoa 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 whoa, whoa, that's not who I'm talking about. I'm
1: sorry. About. Was there, was there oh, another whoa. option on
2: the tape? That's not who I'm talking about. Man, shame on you. I'm not I'm talking about yeah 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 yay kanye West <laughs> and so i'm t- I can't believe you just whoa wow, you just didn't even give ya a chance right there my,
1: my bad my bad but but you are clearly
2: what I'm telling you right now in November Kanye West and Kim Kardashian
1: can you imagine
2: are gonna could you imagine that can you, can imagine, you imagine president Kanye West you know what I, I'm saying can you imagine talk no. about statues? Think of the statues that would be built if Ye were the president. Ye would spend <laughs> Ye would spend a trillion dollars on statues. That would be the first thing he would do. Statues in every American city of Kanye I West. Can't. Actually, statues would probably be made reenacting Ray J and Kim in the tape all <laughs> over the place.
1: Can you imagine? I, I, I never say never at this point When a, when a reality star is currently our president mm. with no political experience, never have have any experience in office, never had no military experience, no intelligence experience becomes president. So never say never. Kanye West, something that I thought, again, I was drinking this weekend. So it's again, something I thought that I had imagined as I was was going through my phone.
2: Drinking with you and Sean Hannity, a couple other people. Uh,
1: Oh, come on. Come on. But I, I mean, honestly, who is taking Kanye West seriously at this point mm-hmm. for a number of reasons? And I mean, this isn't the first time we've heard him announce him running for presidency. But sure. I will say he didn't say he was going to do it in 2020. I think he said 2024. 2024
2: was what he said before. Yeah,
1: Um, it should be noted. The election is four months away at this mm-hmm. point, you guys. Now. At this point, Biden is going to be the Democratic nominee, Trump. Mm-hmm is the Republican. Kanye could run, but at this point, he hasn't even, what is it? He hasn't completed his FEC filing at this point. Mm -hmm. So he has to do that in order to run. In most states, it's too late to do that as an independent. So are we taking him seriously? No. My issue is, let's just pretend we could take Kanye West seriously. Mm -hmm. Let's just pretend he did file on time. Mm -hmm. What does this mean? It means to me that he is becoming a distraction. Same thing we were accusing Democrats when there were so many Democratic nominees running for president for the presidency. You are a distraction and we need to focus on what's at issue. Biden versus Trump. Don't throw your name in the hat and start confusing things and and getting all this this traction on Twitter. I don't like it. I don't approve of it. And if you really under, I don't even know what Kanye West would run on as a platform, but if I'm basing it off his history and certain things he has said over the last few years, this is not the person you want in office. Hmm. Yeah. is the person you want to fire album from. That's it.
2: Right. Right. Well, well said. Uh, so a couple of things, uh, there are just break down the numbers of it. The 33 states, let's say that Kanye was going to go for a write-in ballot. 33 states right now um require you to file paperwork even to have write-in votes counted. So it's not yeah. like you can just go in most places in America, it's not like you can just go there and write Kanye West's name into the ballot. Okay. Then there are nine states where they don't even do write-ins. Okay. So nine states where they don't do write-ins. There are the states where Kanye West could you can just write his name on the ballot. All right. Mm-hmm. Are Oregon uh iowa pennsylvania vermont new hampshire new jersey dc rhode island mississippi alabama and i think there is one more oh vermont um, oh. i said i said i
1: thought you were gonna name a, a state with a lot of votes
2: <laughs> not, not a lot of states with a lot of votes but and, and, and the only reason why i point that out is because it's not a serious thing, Kanye West running for president no. right now. And it, those are just the nuts and bolts of why it's not going to happen. Now, he could still file if he were to file in the next couple of weeks. And there would be states that he would be eligible for to get on the ballot. Um, but there are still a lot of hoops he would have to go through. If you talk to most people with knowledge of this, it is way too late in the process for Kanye West to uh, actually even mount a real campaign. Forget about being elected president to, ride, yeah. to mount a real campaign. It's not going to happen. But it, besides all of that, I just want to make sure everybody had um, like that information. Oh, a Wyoming is the other state. I'm sorry. A Wyoming is the other state. Uh, his home state now, I guess. Yeah. Besides mm-hmm. all of that, Kanye West is flirting with being not a distraction. He's flirting with being another D word, which is actually dangerous. Okay. okay. Um, if Kanye West feels it within his self, uh, he feels a calling that he wants to be the president of the United States, okay? Mm-hmm. He wants to change the world. He wants to change the country. I don't begrudge the brother that. I don't begrudge Kanye West. Uh, yeah, fine. The, the, go forth. Try to get votes. Tell us what you're talking about. I would be open to having a conversation with anyone who who wants to take on a leadership position position in this country uh, that that is serious about it and feels like they have something to offer to the equation. Right. If he were serious right. about this, if he had been serious about this, he wouldn't have waited until now. Now what you have is at a time when people need to be more focused on voting, not just voting in terms of presidential elections, but in say local elections, and where we yes. need crystal clear messages from serious candidates for these offices, what you have is yay coming in and muddying the waters with a bunch of bullshit. Now, this is not me saying, I'm never going to tell a black man you can't be president, ever. I'm never going to tell a black man you can't be president or that you shouldn't want to be president. That's not what I'm telling Kanye West. What I'm telling Kanye West is, don't fuck around with us. Right. We serious. Don't fuck around. What I'm telling Kanye West is, if you're going to do this, or anybody, if you're going to do this, put your feet on the pavement and go do what it takes to get it done, right? And be serious about it and actually have problems that like have solutions for problems that are out there. Because the rest of us who are still doing this, we're trying to figure out what kind of country we're going to have next year and a year after that and a year after that. If Kanye West wants to be a part of that discussion, Mm -hmm. which he's always flirted with, he can't do the thing where he pops up in the White House and then disappears for eight months until he has shoes or hats or, or albums to sell and then do things for two or three weeks and then disappear again, this yeah. is not the way that goes. We can't have the dangerous, reclusive, reactionary guy that steals the thunder out of mm-hmm. actual debate. Yeah. So that's the only thing I would say to him. If you're going to do it, then fucking do it. And if not, fall back. It's not about right. you right now. You, you got a billion stop. dollars and you got... A whole state to yourself out there in Wyoming. You've done great for yourself, <laughs> I'm, but I'm but I'm saying like in a real way, like I I, I was not I, I I wasn't I was offended that Kanye West dipped his toe into the water. Yeah. Offended, not saddened, not whatever. I, I'm offended because we're having serious conversations right now and he mm-hmm. hasn't yet demonstrated that he wants to be serious about this.
1: Well, we're having serious conversations because of what's happening right now in our country and it would you know what would have been better to me if this had been the MTV Awards again and you made a statement on stage like that in that mm. setting. You made a tweet and it wasn't a bad tweet. It wasn't what you said could have been taken seriously. And I think that's what the problem with, with it is. And I agree with absolutely everything you said. And the only thing that I would add to that is that if you were serious, then I need you to take some steps back on some things you've said over the last few years. And you need to rectify that before mm. you take steps forward into possibly becoming our president. Right. Mm. There are certain things that he has spoken about in regards to black people, in regards to women's rights that I need him to rectify Mm. and I need to understand before we ever take you seriously, whether it's in the 2020 election or it's the 2024. Yeah,
2: look, look, I like for me, once again, I'm willing to have the discussion. I'm willing to talk about just about anything. But Mm -hmm. the only prerequisite for me to talk to you is you got to be serious about what you're talking about. Right. And I just don't feel like he's demonstrated that. Now, we talked about this before in the podcast. I can't remember which episode it was, but we talked about your disdain for HBCUs, historically black <laughs> colleges and universities, and why you don't like them. We talked about Wait, that. Didn't we do one uh, episode, minute. Jordan? I think Wait. like Jordan could bring that. I think um, Jordan, let you pop
1: up on here. Like, like we
2: popped up, <laughs> we talked about in one episode like why you don't like HBCUs and you don't like you don't dig them. Like we talked about okay. that, right?
1: We mentioned an HBCU because my sister went to Spelman, which is mm-hmm. what I said. And right. while you're over here trying to call me out, let me give the facts. I applied to four colleges. Two of them were HBCUs, being Howard, okay, and Spellman. Spellman, yeah. My parents didn't want me to go to Howard because my boyfriend went there at the time, and they thought Ooh, I was following a man.
2: Right. They didn't Two. know what they didn't want. You know what they didn't want? They didn't <laughs> want a little so, want a
1: Little wing. They didn't want one of those. And <laughs> so, why? Why does that mean that? That's what was going to happen. I'm just
2: saying, you follow your boyfriend <laughs> to the dorms, <laughs> and then the next place you follow him is.
1: Out of state. Right. Yeah, no, 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 no. And the second one was Spelman. And I didn't go because my sister went and I didn't want to live in her shadow. That's the mm. conversation that we had about that. Right. I didn't really fit into the Spelman crowd. Anyways, that's all. That's all going on. Keep saying what you're saying, because I'm not going to let oh. you sit here and make it seem like I didn't want to go to an HBC. Remember, I was I a Cosby a kid
2: you cross, and that, that was I was trying U- to go show. to Hillman. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. By the way, you might want to stop saying that. People are gonna start reaching out if they keep hearing that you're no, a Cosby kid. No, no, no. Gonna...
1: Listen, you gotta respect <laughs> the fact that the Cosby Show was the Cosby Show. I'm not. I'm not gonna. Do we? Do we? Yes. Yeah, I
2: think we do, but it's tough, nigga.
1: Yes, like, I get hard. it. I get right. it. I don't support it. I think he's guilty. I believe all of that stuff. I mean, if I'm you watch
2: saying. the if you watch the Cosby Show, you're still gonna enjoy the Cosby Show. It's a great Thank show you. that put across. But like, damn why bill
1: i know i know i know i agree with you okay so we agree on bill there's certain people we don't agree about but we agree on bill okay on
2: bill fucked it up anyway um (laughs) so uh hbcu's historically black colleges and universities real quick trip down memory lane history lane i like to call it uh hbcus were established in most places all over um the country not too many on the west coast though that's probably because Western yeah. states came in a little bit later, and there wasn't huge. They weren't huge black populations in those places. The HBCUs are, you know, really tied to areas that had some slaves or had some freed black people, um, and they were established in different places so that black people can go and get educations. Free black people, a lot of them after slavery is over, it has nothing to do with that. It just has to do with pockets of uh, of of the black population and where they would establish these schools. Now. Um, Uh, Historically black colleges and universities are incredibly important in the fabric of the history of uh, of African Americans of Black peoples. Very important. My mother went to one. My father went to one. I went to one. Southern University in Louisiana. I also went to PWIs. I went to Louisiana Tech. Spent some time at LSU as well. Just
1: really making me feel. No, 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 no. no. (laughs) Uh,
2: But just to let people know, typically the issue with HBCUs. Um, is that they're underfunded, okay? These are places where they are, like Southern University, I'll speak from my own experience at Southern. Southern University was a place that you go to get a good education, but you would also go there to be surrounded by a celebration of the culture that you come from, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you'd be surrounded with fantastic professors and they'd be able to take a little bit of extra time on you sometimes. And also there's a sort of knowledge of culture that lends itself to people giving you opportunities that you might have not gotten at other school, access that you might not got, have gotten at other schools, things like that. Um, something very important for these schools happened just recently, and it doesn't seem like it would be that important, but it is. Uh, McCour Maker, who is the cousin of a current NBA player, Thon Maker, who himself uh, was a high school phenom, has decided to go to Howard University Rather than go to UCLA. Now he had his choice of schools, his choice of places that he could have gone play. He is a beast. If you look at the boy, I think he's about 6'11. He's a seven, like right there at seven foot, can do all those things, has a crazy skill set. But he decided rather than rather than take those skills um, and his considerable stardom to a big university where he's gonna be on TV all the time and stuff like that, he's deciding to go to Howard. Not only him, but Mikey Williams. Another one of the... He did? uh, Mikey hasn't decided yet. Oh,
1: oh. I was like, he did?
2: (laughs) Mikey hasn't decided yet. Another one of the best uh, high school basketball players in America is letting everyone know that he is considering an HBCU. I think that it's Howard as well to go play next year. This is a gigantic Gigantic deal.
1: Yeah, it is. A huge, huge
2: deal. Number one, it's a a huge deal because where those players go, a tremendous amount of money, adulation, sponsorship dollars, visibility, and all those things follow. LSU, school in Baton Rouge, Southern University has a $9 million endowment. $9 -hmm. million and and a $9 Mm -hmm. million endowment. LSU school across town has a $28 million locker room for the football team. Jeez! So Southern University up there in North Baton Rouge mm-hmm. runs. The entire school runs off 9 million bucks. LSU has a $28 million facility for the players to wash their asses. Okay? <laughs> That's sort of the difference. So this was a huge, huge deal. What did you think?
1: I loved it because this isn't somebody, this is what I mean about this next generation. And we talked about it, about them, not just talking to talk, but walking the walk. They're out in these streets. They're protesting. They're using their social media platforms to express how they feel and how they're affected by what's happening and what they represent in this country. And then you have somebody like McCure Maker saying, you know what? I'm not just talking about it. I am actually going to commit to a historically Black college and university, and I'm going to demonstrate what other athletes who have this same platform should be doing. I thought it was great, and I think he even called out Mikey Williams. That's Mm -hmm. why I was like, oh, he committed? He said, I want to do something and do what other people in my position, like a Mikey Williams, should be doing. And I and I loved this because a lot of times HBCUs aren't known as elite basketball schools. They aren't. So recruits don't go to these schools. And a lot of times these HBCUs don't even go after these top players to recruit them. So the fact that he is paving a way for other athletes to follow in his footsteps and say, you shouldn't knock the school because of their history when it comes to basketball or maybe how many at college athletes go into the pros, it's almost as like I can do it by myself. The school doesn't have to represent that. So follow my lead. I'm black and I want to be not just a part of a school that's known for their basketball program. I want to be about a part of a community that accepts me and that mm-hmm. makes me feel my blackness. That's what that's what I feel like he's doing. It, it, it was almost as if the message was we've got to invest in ourselves.
0: Why? Period.
1: Period. And without even saying that, him committing to Howard shows that. And I, yeah. I loved it. I think it, he is such a leader. And I hope that he doesn't stop here. And I can't wait to see what this young man does, this young black man does for yeah. the community. Because it's a huge, huge step.
2: Yeah. So years ago, there was you remember Kellen Winslow? Remember him? Yes. All right. Now, he ended up. Turn into a psychopath. So I was like, going to say, yeah, is that like the example up, that we're going with because... here? Just, just, just listen to me. Like, okay. He ended up turning into a psychopath. So I'm not talking about him. When <laughs> Kellen Winslow was coming out of, um <clears throat> Kellen Winslow's father, Kellen Winslow senior, when Kellen Winslow was coming out of uh, high school back in the day, his father demanded that he play for a black coach. Because at oh, that time, that. yeah, at that time, um, Kellen Winslow had been, I think he was committed at that time to Miami, not Miami. He, he ended up going to Miami, but he was committed at that time to Washington. Well, I think Rick Neuhauser was the coach um, at that point, but Kellen Winslow Sr. was on different shows. You know, he was a football commentator because he, he himself was a fantastic tight end in the NFL for many years. And he was saying that he wanted his son to play for a black coach. Uh, at that point, and even still, it hasn't really been rectified, there was an absence of black head coaches in NCAA football, mm-hmm. and everybody was talking about it. It was before you kind of got some guys that came along, you know, now it's doing a little bit better. It was before Charlie Strong really got hot, and you had uh the, the gentleman up there go to Notre Dame, and some big jobs have gone to some uh, black coaches now. But in the early 2000s, late 90s, or whenever this was really going on, it, it wasn't. It wasn't that that same deal. like a lot of white guys. What Kellen Winslow was saying was that in the recruiting of his son is his best opportunity to flex his muscle. The athlete in that situation is the commodity.
1: Mm-hmm. So if you
2: say, I'm only going to play for a black coach and then you go and you do that, Okay, which Kellen Winslow didn't, by the way. He ended up going to play for Miami that he said had a black receivers coach. <laughs> so whatever. Um, but uh, if you go and play for a black coach, if enough kids were to do that, guess what you'd see? More black coaches. Right. Because the kids, the coaches are geniuses and like in college football, they're really great. But the kids are is are, are really kind of what takes your program to the next level. Mm-hmm. So when a guy like McCormaker Maker goes to Howard it's it's not just awesome it's disruptive and revolutionary yes it's those young men like you said taking control of not just their personal destinies but the destinies of schools that really need their support and that's not me saying that any kid who decides hey I'm going to go to LSU or I'm going to go to USC or I'm going to go to UCLA. Hey, brother, go follow your dreams. The community's still here for brother or sister. Go follow your dream, whatever. But I'm saying when you decide to big up somebody from your own community, a school like Howard that's been looking out and turning out fantastic grads all the time, it just means so much. And I'm happy that they made the decision to be a part of the solution to some of these problems because HBCUs need help and these athletes can actually help them. When it starts happening in football, when it starts happening in football, (laughs) then the game is really going to be fucking changed.
1: It really is. And you know what I love, too, about McCore is he's not even from here. He's Australian Kenyan, Mm -hmm. Australian Kenyan. So it's. Him knowing how much that means and not even being born in this country, oh, I just hope he's just paving away for so many other people. And like you said about the money thing, a lot of times you see these athletes or just distinguished alumni will give back to the school that they're a part of. and. If you're going to an HBCU, you're going to give back to that HBCU. And yes, you see things like Steph Curry, you know, he went to Davidson, but he gave um, a lot of money to the golf program for men and women at Howard. I think that's something people really talk a lot about, but- Imagine if he had gone to Howard or other people had gone to Howard and they reinvest back in their school and the people that come from that community. You see how in these other schools that these football programs or basketball programs fund the entire university. So imagine what can happen if you start, if these top black recruits start going to these HBCUs and how much money that can generate for these schools. and change yeah, the narrative.
2: It could. And by the way, and people ask me all the time, they hit me up, shout out to the Thought Wars, and they go, yo, Van, what can I do? What can I do? You know what you could do? Easy, willing." send a hundred dollars to HBCU. Yeah. Literally, like literally like you don't understand, man. You go to places like this and there are talented, amazing professors, amazing students uh, all over the place. Like they just, they need more help. They're underfunded a lot of times. So if you want to help black people, Help black minds, invest in the black minds, invest in the HBCU. Some of us went to them. Gonna, you know what?
1: I'm, I'm going to let you. I'm gonna let that ride because as, I, as we're doing this talk, I'm like, man, I kind of wish I went to HBCU. Uh, I mm. So you're
2: married, right? You're married. You've been married. Married. You're married. You're married. You're having a good time. Do you guys ever talk about, you know, maybe like, is there ever times time, like, how long have you been married for?
1: A year in August.
2: Oh, that's so great. Thought words, clap for Rachel Lindsay. That's amazing. <laughs> Can you ever imagine a time when you would be like, you know, Brian, we've been married for a long enough time. Maybe we could bring some other people into our relationship. Is that, <laughs> like, do you think, like, if, if, like, let's say y'all married for, like, 10, 15 years, things are going mm-hmm. great. Yeah. Right? It's lit. Everything is great. Do you ever, do you envision a time to where you could be like, you know, everybody kind of do their things, but you guys stay married?
1: If things are going great, why am I going to mess up a good thing by bringing <laughs> something else in? Absolutely not.
2: Never, it's not. I, you,
1: you want to you see some, some crazy come out? Mm-hmm. Go ahead and try to bring somebody else in. Well, what, crazy will meet them at the door.
2: But what if you wanted to bring somebody else in?
1: It's not going to happen. Well, then Crazy would meet me at the door because I know Brian ain't having that.
2: Brian, you guys aren't having it. It's not going to (laughs) work.
1: It's not going to work. We're not down with that. Teach their own. Teach their own. It ain't for us. It ain't for us. So,
2: having said that, bombshell, bombshell. When I say bombshell, listen, this whole, we talk about a lot of important things on higher learning. Sometimes we just want to talk about some bullshit. (laughs) And what we're going to do right now is we're going to break for some bullshit because this is good. Okay. Okay. Let's go. August Alcina.
1: You
2: guys might not know who he is. He's a big deal, though. Trust me. In the culture, August Alcina, big deal. Very talented young man from down there in New Orleans. Tall, handsome brother, can sing really well. He's very he is, has handsome, very handsome man.
1: He is handsome. I'm just laughing at this description. I mean, it's I knew true. you were going to throw that he was from New Orleans. I knew you were going to put that out there. That's, but... how
2: we, that's what we do. Uh, <laughs> August Al, August Alcina burst upon the scene some years Damn. ago. Uh had a bunch of songs out, but like he was getting in some trouble. You know, he he, he had. There's a lot that went on in his life. We from down there in South Louisiana. He had a tough upbringing. He lost some people, and uh, you know even having worked at TMZ at the time, there was a time when August Alcino was getting into a little bit of trouble. He was on tape, getting into mm-hmm. a concert or whatever. And then one day, miraculously, it seemed like he hit the jackpot. Because in some way, for some reason, he was pictured and photographed and at the Smith house all the time. And basically... The rumor or the understanding out in the Twitter sphere of the internet's was that he was living with the Smith family. He was up there. Um, Look, I I never actually—I don't know if that was ever actually one hundred percent confirmed, but he was. Everyone said that he was living with them and had been living with them for a long time. So Will Smith. Wait, you
1: saw that before this week?
2: Oh yeah. Yeah, everybody knew oh, that. Oh my
1: gosh, all my notes have just got walked out the no. door. No. <laughs> oh, that he
2: no everybody knew that. Like he was like, I remember even when they had like David David Blaine did some kind of um David Blaine did like a TV special a couple of years ago or something like that. And when he did the TV special, you know, when David Blaine does a TV special, he does a big trick and then he does these little vignettes yeah, where yeah. he goes into different celebrities' homes. It'll be David Blaine in like Harrison Ford's kitchen doing a trick with Harrison Ford. Well, he did one in the Smith house and it was Will, Jada, all the kids, and August Alsina was in there. And I was like, damn. I was like, August Alcina really is a part of the Smith family. I like, it am a thing. shook. I did this, not know oh, he lived yeah. with them. Oh,
0: my
1: God.
2: And it was like, I remember it even been time, like, it's so amazing what Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith are doing. It seemed like they saw this great, talented guy that was in trouble and that they reached out to him and for some reason... Kind of brought him into the fold of their family. That's what it's... That's what well, I can't ask to you
1: a question because I feel like I'm just a, I'm I'm new to all of this right sure, now. Yeah. So even working at TMZ, you never heard, you never knowing the rumors and what we have heard about the Smith family, Jaden mm-hmm. Will. Anyway. You never, when you saw August Alcina on that special, that David Blaine special, or saw that he was living with them, it was reported. You never thought, huh? Maybe he's. More into the family than they're letting on. You maybe never he, he, thought that.
2: Maybe he was really like in the family? Uh,
1: in the family?
2: Uh, um, No, not at first because, like, my, I don't, I'm not like that good at stuff. Like, my mind doesn't go there. Like, my, I would always be around my mama and my sister and them, and then they would see stuff like that. They'd be like, mm hmm, somebody getting fucked. I'd be like, <laughs> what? I'd be like, you think so? And they'd be like, look at that
1: that's why me. you have friends in the industry because you don't see things that way that makes but,
2: sense but after a while people did start to say it now Wait, it can, I, can
1: you just give me a timeline really quickly sure. when when did he move in I'm, I want to say them. I
2: want to say maybe it feels it feels like 2016 2017 so he
1: was S. so hot I got yeah
2: I, Maybe, my, friend maybe,
1: is, my friend is his DJ. I got questions. Maybe it was...
2: <laughs> look, it could have been before that.
1: I feel God like has. it's been...
2: I feel like it's been at least like four years or something. like. I don't know. It could have been before then, no. though. I said 2016. Is so
1: clearly, it's not at a time where he was struggling. The man could afford to have his own place. No, 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 no. He could have always,
2: but like he was... I feel like I need to say this for the... for the, cause, cause Oh, yeah. They might, they might be like me. Oh, no. August Alcina was, sh- was surely enough to have oh. his own place. Now, so... The so way it goes, August Alcina last week. For the people that know now, uh, was uh, had a, an interview with a homie of mine, Angela Yee. He's got a new album coming out. He's got like thirty songs on it. I don't know who, who he thinks is listening and all of that. Thirty, something like twenty-seven songs. Part
1: A, Part B, okay.
2: And uh, he revealed that basically, it is what people thought that for a long time he had been having sex with well, what he says. So he said, he said, she said he's been having sex with Jada Pinkett Smith and that he had asked Will's permission about this and that Will had basically said, "Um, you got it. Now, we know that <laughs> Will and Jada have what we would call a non-conventional relationship.
1: Okay, I've got another question. Go Is that a fact? They have said that. Because everybody is like, it's understood. But have, please point me to the interview article where they have said it.
2: You know, Rach, it's a good question. Like, I feel like it's kind of one of those things that we've all, it's like we all just heard it and we all just accept it. But I don't know. It feels like I read it one time somewhere, (laughs) but I can't remember where. And it is definitely not on tape, but it feels like I read it one time somewhere somewhere that they were talking about this. Anyway, August Alcina says that that's what the deal is. Okay. And he said in this interview that he had been in a relationship all of this time with Jada Pinkett Smith and Black Twitter went nuts. Black Twitter went nuts. <laughs> now, Jada Pinkett then came out literally like days after this interview hit mm-hmm. and said, not true. Said that that, that yeah. their relationship wasn't that way, that anything that August Alcino was saying wasn't true? Who do you believe?
1: That's a great question, man. Great question. And I feel like this is my job. If I could have a seat at the Red Table Talk, I feel like I could get down to the bottom of it, right? This is what mm-hmm. I was trained, legally trained to do. Mm-hmm. I know how to depose somebody and, and find the truth. I did not know. He used to live with them, so my mind is working here because I, I just thought they had this relationship, or so he's claiming, Mm -hmm. and he asked Will for permission. That was it. I did not know the man was in the household, had a bed, had a key.
2: They basically had adopted him. It seemed like they, they, yeah, clicker. It seemed like they adopted him.
1: (laughs) I can't get over it. I'm I'm shook because my first thought when I heard this was Ah, August must be promoting something. He is, which he is. An album and a documentary, okay then I thought is red Ra- is red table talk suffering in ratings Mm-mm. that was my second, no. that, was my, that awesome. was my second thought that was my second thought because it has been announced since all of this has come out that Jada said she's bringing herself to mm-hmm. the red table yeah. to talk, which mm-hmm. I've never even watched it and i'm going and I will be watch- tuning in for this right. so that's why I thought it was a publicity stunt mm mm-hmm. Before you told me that he lived with them, I thought, okay, I have more questions than I have conclusions when it comes to this. And I, cause I Mm. thought, why now, August, why are you saying this now? What made you want to come out in such a public way and say this so badly? If you and Jada had something and you asked for permission and y'all had this understanding, why do you need to tell this secret? Why does it need to come out? Oh, okay, you must be promoting something. But now that I know he lived with them, Mm-hmm. it's true it's true there, it's true you don't have there's nothing you could tell me that mm. i don't care what jay i won't be tuning in to red table We'll we we will probably well, recap you're it definitely here.
2: gonna watch the red no, 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 table no, we'll, talk. we'll
1: recap it we'll recap it here promise you thought warriors but mm. i don't need to hear anything else this man was living with you and he did not need to other than then y'all had some type of relationship maybe she'll say it wasn't as serious as he did because what he also explained in this interview is that he gave his full self he could die at this point knowing that he Mm -hmm. was true to this woman and he loved loved, her as
2: loved as much as he possibly could love a human being
1: and i believe him i believe like i i van i'm i have nothing else to say knowing that he lived with them is all i need to know That's all the evidence Other than I want to know how long I would like to hear The opinion from Jaden and Willow At this point Mm -hmm. Could they speak out What do they refer to him as Do they call him uncle Oh, shut up. Do they up. call them friends? See what I'm saying? Now
2: you now you're just cracking on them. Like, <laughs> like you think they're walking around there. August has seen it like 25. It's something like that. You think they walking around there, calling him He's Uncle August? It's 27.
1: I looked it up. I needed to know. <laughs> I need to know these
2: things. <laughs> you think like this? Like, hey, kids. This is Uncle August. Unc.
1: Unk. Cousin. <laughs> He's a long-lost relative. What was the story that was given to the children? I need to know. I don't think that that would be a story. I so think a that random, that a a random man? You don't just bring a random man into your house when you have other women living there. You don't I, I just do think, that.
2: I think that if this were a game, that they would be very open and honest in that family about everything that was going on. I really well, the, do believe that.
1: Well, the red table talk is supposed to be about honesty. Right, And that's what I'm fully expecting. Will Willow be at the table? Will her mother be at the table? I need to know. Or is it really just going to be her just talking to the camera? I I, I need to know. And why hasn't it happened yet? What is taking so long? Now it's going to seem like a production.
2: I'm looking for what she actually said here.
1: She said Um, she was bringing herself to the table.
2: she, She says she's bringing herself to the table. She
1: just- and Will have vehemently denied it through representatives. Oh, they have the said that it is not okay. Cool. I just want to make sure. We, I just want to make sure no. we weren't wrong
2: about that. I but if sure she we was wrong.
1: about it, if she was about it, and if she was, if it was the truth, she'd have herself there on one side. She'd have August on the other, and she would have an impartial you, moderator. You want to be on that? I'm, I'm suggesting myself. Yeah, it, in the middle to ask the right questions. Not a production, to ask the pointed questions. If you have nothing to hide, let's go. I'm with it. Like, I'm with
2: it. I think this is a great idea. I think that you can get to the bottom of this. And with everything that's going on in the world, this is certainly something that we definitely need answers. Um, (laughs) uh, But There's uh, only
1: two things that I've promoted myself for. It's this, being the moderator for this Red Table Talk and playing Robin Givens in the Mike Tyson biopic.
2: Ooh, that's, that's a good I, one, too. Would I not
1: be a good Robin Givens, though, that's man? That's <laughs> a good
2: one, too, man. I'm I, telling you. It's
1: so, so only two things I promote myself with. That's it. Yeah,
2: actually, that, that, that would be a dope. T- you got the whole Robin Givens thing going on, man. You got, you know, the whole Robin Givens. That's your, your vibe, you know? <laughs> I don't want to take it any further than there. Um... But yeah, oh, so look. my God, oh, right, I know right,
1: Right. Oh, right,
2: right, right. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, but look, but look, listen, I'm I gotta be honest with you. Like sometimes you just gotta, I I am interested in this. Um, I I I wanna know. I don't, I really don't know who to believe. I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't know who to believe. I don't see why August Alcina would lie about it. I guess the only other question I have is I don't feel like August Alcina had that to do, man. If 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 Will gave you the blessing, and you were over here, and that's the way it was. Why are you talking about it?
1: Because he's that's- jaded.
2: I, 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 but I don't. I don't. But I don't feel like that's not keeping it, G man. It's not. keeping it... Why are you taving, p- telling people business and stuff like that? Oh, it's, it's not Alcena. keeping it,
1: G. That's out the window. I, is that what y'all do in Louisiana? That is wow. out wow. the window. The moment that he decided to tell his business and put it out on the street and open it up to the court of public opinion, yeah, you lost that letter. The G, you, <sighs> you lost G. Damn. That's, was... that's gone. But I but do we'll feel see. like he was in love with her. He's hurting. Mm -hmm. and he kind of alludes to that, right? For his mental health, he's talked about struggling with, with, with mental health issues. And it sounds Mm -hmm. like he needed, he felt he needed to do this for therapeutic reasons. And that's, I'm
2: going to be honest with you. And that's something you can never tell. Like a lot of people would say, okay, well, if you, if you need to discuss it, why don't you go talk to a therapist about it or something like that. But the reality is sometimes in order to feel free of something, you need the world to, to know the truth that you're going. And maybe that's what happened with him. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure about it. Look, it was Hamilton weekend this past uh weekend. Uh Hamilton. Yeah. Um and we had a little conversation on the group chat. You guys kind of got on me cuz I don't give a fuck about Hamilton. And I saw the tweet. And yeah, I don't it's like it, it, just real quick, am I wrong about this? Am I it, like Hamilton was made a big deal about. It. I'm I'm not against anyone. I'm not the type of guy that's against anybody else being into Hamilton okay mm-hmm. uh, but am I wrong because I don't care about Hamilton is that wrong is Hamilton
1: no I don't think it's wrong it's not like it's a part of the culture mm-hmm. it's like it, it, are you into Broadway
2: a little bit oh well
1: then maybe maybe so I mean I All thought right, you were yeah. gonna say you weren't into Broadway I'm not
2: gonna lie man went to, went to see Wicked at the Pantages Theater Wicked is like amazing Wicked is so good The Lion King so good you know what I'm saying? But like Hamilton, to me, to be real with you, it seems like a 10th grade civics project. It does. It seems like, yo, let's all get together. We're going to rap with the founding fathers so you can spin a flow. <laughs> like, like, I know, look, by the way, Lin-Manuel Miranda, genius. Daveed Dix, everyone. These people are so talented. I don't have a centella of their talent. I'm not interested in slave owners Rapid. I don't give a fuck about Hamilton.
1: So as okay, I saw Hamilton you on saw Broadway. Mm-hmm. And but I didn't get to see it with the original actors. Right. So I didn't see Renee. I didn't see Lynn Manuel. Mm-hmm. I didn't see David. Uh, yeah. I didn't see Leslie. I didn't get to see all these people. But I right. had heard about it. Leslie Owen Jr. To-
2: fantastic. Fantastic guest.
1: Most of y'all mm-hmm. know I'm probably was it a, what is it? The State Farm commercial? Yeah. No. Nationwide is on your side. Nationwide, yeah, yeah. Y'all probably first met him there, but he is Mm -hmm. insanely talented. They Mm -hmm. all are. And I think that is what I want to focus on because that is what Hamilton was to me when I went to see it, I had already heard the album before I went. I knew all the hype. <laughs> it had been out in 2015 and I love Broadway. <laughs> I'm like, you're laughing. What Why are you laughing?
2: Why you ride around in your shit bumping the Hamilton album? <laughs>
1: like, uh, remember I told you the actor that I dated from Cal or, Arts? Right, He, or, he or, Oh my God.
2: Oh Lord. Who probably listens to this
1: podcast. Hey, yo, man,
2: put on track four from that Hamilton, man. we about to like, what the fuck?
1: But, okay, I love, okay. but, that's a, but that's a true Broadway fan, right? Hamilton isn't the first album off Broadway that I've listened to. You mentioned The Lion King. It is excellent. Excellent okay. album. Okay? It's no. a different from version than than the animated one. No. No. Um, but what I appreciated about Hamilton is that you saw Black and brown people being creative. You saw their talent and you saw mm-hmm. their voices, voices coupled with the irony of the subject matter that is Hamilton. Mm-hmm. So when you learn about Alexander Hamilton, if we even did, other than the fact that he is on our money and he's a founding father, you know, like I don't really remember much from school. Mm-hmm. And even when you're watching the play, you're not getting this huge history lesson of who Alexander is. That's not what your focus is. Your focus is on you are seeing minorities, people of color express themselves in such a beautiful way. You're seeing a play that is dedicated mainly to people of color. Mm. I didn't look at it saying, man, I did not come out saying, wow, they really glorified Alexander Hamilton. That's not what Mm -hmm. the play's about if you've seen it. You don't get that feeling. You aren't critiquing it historically. I feel like it came out in 2015 and when people watched, when people were talking about it back then, they were talking about the talent and the beauty of it and the fact that it was to celebrate black and brown voices. Huh. Most people who were talking about it were not talking about it in 2020. When we're looking at things differently and criticizing mm-hmm. it for glorifying a founding father or other founding fathers or a time period or even mm-hmm. the love interest that he marries in it, whose family is notoriously known as being slave traders and slave owners. Mm. That's not what you get from it. And not only did is it about their voices, it's about celebrating the culture that because they're rapping and they're mm-hmm. singing in R&B. And you're mm-hmm. laughing and you're smiling at me, but then you're also a person who has never seen it.
2: Right. So, well, I watched I mean, a little bit of it. I watched a little bit of it. To I'll grasp it, it,
1: but watching it on, 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 on Disney Plus is not the same thing as feeling it. It's like being at a concert. Mm-hmm. You feel it so much more when you feel the energy that's coming from the stage. Mm. There's just nothing like it. I get it. And, and it's easy to critique something that you haven't seen or watched <laughs> on a movie screen and write an article about it, but to be in the midst of it. Right. It is, it really, it was, it i didn't look at it as it was revolutionary either mm. that's not what or it was progressive it was right. just nice to see somebody celebrating black and brown people that's how i looked at it
2: i feel you look obviously i say these things partially and just uh when i <laughs> when i talk about hamilton but th- this is something that is true as far as like the the reason why i would not be able to i would not want to watch hamilton or is that I think that, and it's going to be Van, Vanny Downer, Debbie Downer Van. I don't think Alexander Hamilton and Alexander Alexander Hamilton, to to his credit, while he was alive, was a pretty, at least vocal, um, proponent of abolition. Alexander Hamilton himself was pretty much anti-slavery of the day. Now, did he work? towards ending slavery? Not really. He mostly used it as a political bargaining chip um, to get different things that he wanted to do. But he was very critical of Thomas Jefferson. He actually even wrote, Alexander Hamilton did, uh, under a pseudonym. He wrote, wrote, he had writings under a pseudonym so that he could then uh, attack Thomas Jefferson for what he believed to be Jefferson's hypocrisy on the issue of slavery and the rape of the Black woman Um, that Thomas Jefferson had in his house. Uh, Now. Sally Hemings. Sally Hemings. Uh, Now, um, having said that, I don't think that Hamilton should necessarily even have something made about him and a lot of those other guys either. And I'll tell you why. Great man history has irreparably harmed the fabric of America. Looking at these guys as specifically great men is very harmful. Did they do great things? They absolutely did. They were smart. They were smart. They had all types of you know things milling around in their heads. They formed a, a great sort of system of government and they were very brave to go up against all the odds and stuff like that. But not just in the case of the founding fathers, even in guys like Edison, even in guys like, uh, I don't know, Um, obviously Ford, you know what I mean? Like obviously got Carnegie, Rockefeller. Sort of lionizing these guys and getting into this great man, great man history divorces us of the systems that they were involved in and the times in which they lived that we should be able to take a step back from, sanitize, and then form our own conclusions about how they fit into the worlds that they were in. That's not how they teach history. They teach history is that everything was fucked up and this one great guy came along and changed it. Or these three great guys came along and changed it. Or these four great guys came along and changed it. Or these five did, right? And these great guys, we must forever hold as if they are deities for the rest of human history. What happens is, is when you build somebody up like that, they sneak other little shit in like, yeah, he had 200 slaves. And George Washington didn't just have the slaves, but he actively caught slaves and fought against the freedom of the slaves that he had. Mm -hmm. Real quick, I know I tweeted this, but you guys should hear it. In 1780 in Pennsylvania, a law was passed saying that any slave over 28, any slave over 28, okay, after six months would be free. So essentially that was Pennsylvania doing what they could do to outlaw slavery. All right, what George Washington would do was every six months, he would have his wife bring his slaves down below the Mason-Dixon line and reset the clock on them. So every six months, he would recycle slaves, get, get newer ones and bring them up there. A dedicated and cunning slaver, all right? Now, I am willing to have the conversation about all the great things that these guys did if America and society is also willing to have the conversation about the fact that they raped women and cut black men's balls off and branded them and maimed them and sold their children. You can't do, I'm not doing that anymore. So yeah. when I look at Hamilton, like I, I'm not saying anything bad about Lynn or anybody or Lamar, all fantastic. And I get it and I understand it. I really do get it. It makes me feel icky. It, 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 I think it, you it, have
1: to watch it. No. You, have to, you have to see it. I saw to a little see, of it little bit it. I'm telling you, no, I'm just telling you, when you walk away, you're not like, man, I really admire that Alexander Hamilton, even though that he wasn't a person who owned slaves, right? Because mm-hmm. if you know the, the, the story as to why Lynn manuel wanted to do this is because he felt like he related to him in a sense because Alexander Hamilton came from the Caribbean. He was an orphan. He made something of himself in this country and kind of embodied what is supposed to be the American dream. Mm-hmm. And that related, Lynn manuel related to that. That you don't even, I didn't even walk away from that. All I walked away from seeing, and I think most people do, is wow, that was, I've never seen anything like that on Broadway before. Mm-hmm. That is what I felt walking. And my, my homegirl, who was black, who went mm-hmm. with me. Mm-hmm. Felt the same thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> felt the same. Okay. And I, that's, that's, that's all I'll say about it. And there was this, this bit of irony of black people and brown people telling a story of people they would never have been allowed to share the stage with in real life during these times. So there is, I, I like the, the juxtaposition of the people who are playing these characters versus what the reality is of the people that were, that they were embodying.
2: Okay. So it's, this is wha-
1: you gotta watch it.
2: This is what I'll do. This Don't while talk do. to me
1: again until you watch it.
2: This is what I'll do. This is what I'll do. This is what I'll do. I typically don't like to be the guy that criticizes things before he's really indulged in them. I think that mm-hmm. that's normally the intellectualizing the thing. So, being that I'm guilty of that right now, saying that I have no interest in watching it, I will watch Hamilton in its entirety mm-hmm. before our next podcast. And Beautiful. then I will come back, I will watch it in its entirety.
1: The only thing I can you give me your Disney Plus password. (laughs) You you got it,
2: yeah, man. I got all of them. I got every streaming shit. I got all them shits. No cable. I got all them shits. Not really. I got like twenty channels on the cable, right? And it's just to keep the fucking internet.
1: Okay, later. I want to know if that's cheaper for you because I can't even tell. I
2: don't even know if it's cheaper. Do you know why? Because whatever they say, buy I buy it. Like something Mm -hmm. new comes out and they go, hey, new streaming. I got Amazon. I got Netflix. I got DC Universe. I got Hulu. I got uh, Disney Plus. I got uh, did I say Netflix already? I said yes. Netflix. I got uh, HBO Max. I got Zone. I got uh, I got all of them. All of them. Okay. The only one I, I don't have wait. is Quibi.
1: Yeah, I don't think I don't, I don't think have, anybody Quibi. has Quibi. <laughs>
2: okay. Um. Before we get out of here. We are going to do something that we have not done before. Uh, there was a Instagram user. I'm going to I always like to give you guys props. An Instagram user. Her name on Instagram is Lainey Walden. Okay.
1: Lainey uh, Walden.
2: Lainey Walden. What's Her up, name Lainey? Is, uh, she's a photographer. She's there on uh, the good old Instagrams. and internets. She sent me a clip that she wanted us to discuss. Okay. okay. And the clip, the reason why we're going to discuss it is because the clip comes directly from a guy I consider to be and who also is knows that he is a friend of mine, a very good friend of mine, a guy I've known for years now. His name is Marcellus Wiley. He is on a show on Fox called Speak for Yourself. He has been very successful. He's a very good man. Um and has been a friend to me uh for a lot of years. Me and Marcellus have disagreements on different things, and I suspect we're about to have a disagreement. Uh, right now, um, this is actually Marcellus Wiley on his show. Speak for yourself on Fox Sports 1 reacting to the news that the NBA, when the season starts back up, is going to have the words Black Lives Matter um, on the court. This is Marcellus Wiley's reaction to that.
0: Ah, it's not a good idea. Um, I do want to give the players credit for their flex to even get this to be more than just an idea, but something that's going to be in reality, I give the players that. Um, but there's a problem with when you start to go down this road of the freedom of expression, freedom of speech, and how much social space is allowed for those who don't support in that same space. And that's where I, I wonder where this is going to go in terms of identity politics. We know what identity politics does. Uh, it, it divides and it polarizes no matter how you want to look at it. That's just the effect of it, no matter how great the intentions are. And we all know the road to hell is paved with good intentions. good intentions. So it's an interesting play right here. I don't know how many people really look into the mission statement of Black Lives Matter, but I did. And when you look into it, there's a couple of things that jump out to me. And I'm a black man who's been black. And my life has mattered since 1974. And this organization was founded in 2013. I'm proud of you. But I've been fighting this fight for me and for others a lot longer. Two things. My family structure is so vital and important to me. Not only the one I grew up in, but the one I'm trying to create right now. Being a father and a husband, that's my mission in life right now. How do I reconcile that, what I just told you, with this mission statement that says, quote, We dismantle the patriarchal practice. We disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure requirement. When I know statistics, when I know my reality, forget statistics. I knew this before I even went to Columbia and saw these same statistics that I'm going to read to you right now. That children from single parent homes versus two parent homes. The children from the single parent homes. This is in 1995. I was reading this five times more likely to commit suicide, six times more likely to be in poverty, nine times more likely to drop out of high school, 10 times more likely to abuse chemical substances, 14 times more likely to commit rape, 20 times more likely to end up in prison, and 32 times more likely to run away from home. I knew that. You know why I knew it? Because a lot of my friends didn't have family structures that were nuclear like mine, and they found themselves outside of their dreams and goals and aspirations. So when I see that, Or as a mission statement for Black Lives Matter, it makes me scratch my head. When I also see their mission is to eradicate white supremacy. In 2020, white supremacy is the mission. Woo! That's a lot of digging through minutia right there. I am on a show that I'm hosting along with another black guy who is hosting with me who replaced another black guy. And that's just one example of it. So I understand I respect your space. I respect what you're protesting for. But will you respect others who don't support that same protest? Okay, so that is
2: Marcellus Wiley's reaction. That is what Lainey has asked us to discuss. She said she's heard a lot of people talking about this. Uh, the Thought Warriors sometimes want us to dig into different things. She wants us to talk about this. Uh, I have a lot to say. Rachel, do Please. you want to? You Okay.
1: No, go ahead. Go so, ahead, because this, uh, uh, this is your friend. I, I would like to point out that there are two people that host this show. Your friend is who said that. My friend was the silent one. That's all I just <laughs> wanted to say. That's all I wanted to say.
2: Okay. So there, <laughs> okay, so there are a couple of things here. The first thing is this. Let's address these kind of point by point. The first thing is um, what Marcella seemed to be saying then was uh, there was that Black Lives Matter being on the side of an NBA basketball court. Uh, in some way might be alienated to pe- alienating to people who don't agree with either the term Black Lives Matter or the stated purposes or goals of Black Lives Matter, and that identity politics seems to uh, break people apart and cause division. Okay, uh, that is not an unfair assessment. But what I will say is this. I wonder why it is when Black people have a corporation like the NBA or anybody else, kind of have their their backs, then we then have to s- start having discussions about what is and isn't divisive. Case in point. Do we have discussions about the military being so heavily involved in pregames, uh mm-hmm. pregame celebrations in the in, in the NFL? Flyovers, flags waving, all mm-hmm. of that stuff. Do they take a poll with the players and see which one of them Which ones of them support the military industrial complex of the United States of America? Which ones of them support uh, toxic sort of ideas that come out of that? Uh, Are there other things? Do the players get to discuss, we've seen this with Colin Kaepernick, whether or not they're okay with the Pledge of Allegiance, whether or not they feel like the Pledge of Allegiance reflects them? Do Do we get to have discussions about whether or not that is inclusive? Well- We try to have a discussion about that. Colin Kaepernick actually took a knee and then raised the question about whether or not that was the Pledge of Allegiance and the flag itself, whether or not the the stated virtues of that reflected his life, his reality Mm -hmm. as a black man in America. And he was told that he was unpatriotic. Mm -hmm. So now what you have is the NBA saying, hey, we have a league that's around 85 percent black we are going to stand in lockstep with those players and put Black Lives Matter on the side of the court and support those players in something that they have been saying that they want to be a part of. Seen a lot of NBA players involved in that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And somebody like Marcellus comes along and says, okay, but what about the other guys that might not agree with that? Because once again, when it's time to have a discussion about something to help black people, we need a 100% consensus on who's going to be left out, who might be mad. The silent voices in the locker room that might have something to say about Black Lives Matter. All right. So to me, that's peculiar. I look at that look at it as this. If the NBA puts Black Lives Matter on the side of a court and you're not with that.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: We don't live in a time where you do not have a platform, especially if you're an NBA player, to say that you don't like that. Yeah. It takes bravery in whatever situation you're in to go against the grain. So if you're against that grain, then be against it. That's fine. No one is going to begrudge you. I mean, they're going to tear your ass apart. But if you have a controversial opinion, you got to be willing to go out and put it out there. That's the first thing. Secondly, to the the, the second part of it uh, in terms of his analysis of that part of the mission statement of Black Lives Matter. Okay, so what he basically said was, he said, uh, you guys can listen to it again, but what he really said, he said that he made it seem like Black Lives Matter was Mm -hmm. some way against the nuclear family or wanted to dismantle or disrupt uh, uh, paternalism through taking apart the nuclear family. What I'm going to do is read you the entire portion of that. Okay. Mm -hmm. So this is what it says. Mm -hmm. Um, It says two paragraphs here. It says, we make our spaces family friendly and enable parents to fully participate with their children. We dismantle the patriarchal practice that requires mother, mothers to, to work double shifts so that they can mother in private, even as they participate in public justice work. We disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure requirement by supporting each other as extended families and villages that collectively care for one another, especially our children, to the degree that mothers, parents and children are comfortable. I'm disappointed in Marcellus Wiley. And the reason why I'm disappointed in Marcellus Wiley is because I know he's a good guy and I don't know why he just white man the hell out of Black Lives Matter. What he did was take a portion of that and then make it reflective of what they were saying. In those two paragraphs, no one was talking about disrupting a family structure. What they were talking about was expanding that. Marcellus talked about living in a family home where the family structure was more nuclear, right? And that Mm -hmm. some of his friends might have not had access to that. What essentially Black Lives Matter is saying is that the kids next door to Marcellus Wiley, that they should have had access to the parenting and to the care that the rest of the community could provide as a collective. And when you do that, what you do is you give women who want to go out and do public justice work men who want to go out and do public justice work you give them the latitude to do that and that's a part of the mission statement the mission statement is I'll look after your kids feed them clothe them and bathe them while you go protest while Mm -hmm. you go work on criminal justice reform while you go start banking black or doing whatever it is that it is black lives matter is the most inclusive of phrases because it is asking Black people to look at ourselves in a oneness and in a way of togetherness, in a handholding, and say that we mean something in America. It's not just that our existence matters. Understand, mm-hmm. existence and life two different things. Existence means is your heart breathing, is your heart beating, is your brain working. Life is love, mm-hmm. it's unity, it's friendship it's breathing, it's creation, it's sex, it's identity. That's what life is. And when you say black, black lives matter, you're not just talking about the existence, you're talking about the holistic expression of black people. There's no reason that anyone should have a problem with that. Mm. And I watched that, not sure why that was the take, not sure why our first thing to do was to pearl clutch and be like, ain't nobody going to take me out of my house. I'm a man. I don't get it. We haven't discussed it. I told him we would be discussing it today on the podcast. Oh, you did? I did. But the reality is I don't understand that.
1: The, the only thing I can say is that, and I don't know Marcellus the way that you do, but I, I have enjoyed him on television. Like I think I, I I enjoy watching him.
2: Good man. Great father.
1: Yeah, I think, I think a lot of times you're under the pressure when you have the mic to have a hot take and say something different. And maybe that's what he was feeling in that moment. I will also note that it is on Fox. It's Fox Sports. And the person who used to be his co-host was extremely conservative and was always Always a hot topic on Twitter, especially black Twitter, with the things that he would say that were anti the black community, him being a black man himself. Maybe now that that person's gone, he felt the need to, I don't, I don't know, but he did say it and he didn't just say it in passing. He said it with his whole chest. Like this was a monologue where while his co-host was silent during his whole speech in regards to that. I think what bothered me is that he said, and I agree with everything that you said, and you said it beautifully, is that he said, I've been, you know, Black Lives Matter was started in 2013 and I've been fighting this since 1974. And I thought, well, my brother, did you stop in 2020? Because I'm not understanding what this message Mm. is that you're trying to say to your audience. And knowing that your audience, majority of your audience probably isn't Black, the fact that you're saying that to them, you are Candace Owens, Owensing that should be a thing Candace Owensing Black Lives Matter and their mission statement. And I hate this. People are going to take that clip that you just said and pass it around their conservative communities and say, see, this is a Black man who says these things. This is a Black man who's against Black Lives Matter and their mission statement. And I hate that you did that because people don't go out these days and research things for themselves. If you read the full mission statement for Black Lives Matter, it's like 20 different paragraphs. It is all included of why they started what they did in Black Lives Matter. It doesn't, it talks about families. It talks about, um, the LBGTQ community. It talks about Black lives. It talks about them in every single way. Sexism, misogyny, everything. And you just reduced it to one paragraph to prove your point or what you thought proved your point. And that is what I have a huge option, uh, issue with. And it did, and, and you said it what that statement really says that he tried to break apart and make it into something negative and providing all these statistics as to why that statement is problematic. But what I gathered when I saw that in their mission statement is that a lot of times, not a lot of times, but just there are certain, the family, we have been told that this is what a family looks like, a two-parent home. And almost as if to be successful, or to achieve certain things, you've got to come from a two parent home. And a lot of times that isn't the case. And this statement in this paragraph to me shows that it doesn't have to be the case. And we are still including you and you still are a part of a, you still have a family and you don't have to adhere to this Western prescribed nuclear family structure to be successful and to matter. That Mm. is what I gathered from that. So for him to say, no, that's so problematic and you and and this is what I came from and statistically if you don't come from this, this is what you become is so wrong because there are so many people who don't come from that type of family structure who are extremely successful. And then the the fact that he pointed out the very end that he is a black man. He used to have a black man that's a co-host and he's gone and another black man replaced him. Brother, you are the exception that is that is not major like what is is presented to us all the time and to say i'm it's almost as if he was saying i made it and i came from this family structure and that shows that when you have this this is how you make it is is extremely problematic and i just was so disappointed as somebody whose voice i respect in the sports community that he had this hot take mm. on fox sports
2: yeah so we're going to run, but I'll tell you guys this. Michael Jordan doesn't mean that white supremacy isn't real. Oprah doesn't mm-hmm. mean that white supremacy isn't real. Exceptions. Bar- Barack Obama doesn't mean that white supremacy doesn't isn't real. T.I., 50 Cent, Viola Davis, they're not enough individual. White supremacy is a system, both economic, political, and social, that America was founded in and for. Mm-hmm. and that a new group of Americans that are not just black are trying to reconcile and get rid of. You're either right. with us or you're not. That's that. I'm mm-hmm. interested to hear what Marcellus has to say back. I'm sure I will hear from him before the next podcast, but <laughs> till the next podcast, Thought Warriors, you can take your thinking caps off, but stop. Don't stop thinking. I am Van Lathan.
1: I'm Rachel Lindsay.
2: We out.